You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into our Film Friday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers, these passionate fans of the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. The Saints and the Bears match up in the Windy City this weekend. We previewed the game with Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears on Thursday's crossover episode, so make sure that you check that out. But now, we're going to dig a little bit deeper to get you ready on today's show. First, we'll hit the injury update news as Michael Thomas returns to practice. Then we'll dive into Chicago's offense, highlighting how the Saints can finally ignite their pass defense if they can just get two things right. And then we'll wrap up with a look at the Bears defense, fierce against the pass, but weak against the run, which is exactly the combination that the Saints can dominate against. And then at the end, we'll recap the three keys to victory that will hit along the way. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host of the Locked On NFL National Podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas returns to practice, still dealing with his ankle and hamstring injury, but still good news for the New Orleans Saints. It's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So Michael Thomas does return to practice on Thursday as a limited participant. Again, the the ankle injury kept him out for a few games, and then he looked like he was on track to come back, and then the disciplinary benching, and then he ended up hurting his hamstring in last Wednesday's practice ahead of the Carolina Panthers game. So that ended up slowing his progress as well. It was estimated to be a grade one hamstring strain, so a one to two week recovery. So there is the possibility that we could see Michael Thomas back on the field this Sunday if he is able to practice on Friday, either full or limited. There's a potential that you'll see him be questionable for this game and he could hit the field, maybe on a bit of a pitch count if he is able to go out there. So definitely something to keep an eye out on. Another wide receiver to continue to watch for the New Orleans Saints is undrafted free agent wide receiver Marquez Calloway, who had an ankle injury that ended up having to force him out of the game against the Carolina Panthers in that win last Sunday, but was able to get back into practice on Thursday. He did not participate in practice on Wednesday, took a little easy, got back on Thursday, and was also a limited participant. Teron Armstead remained a limited participant just like he was on Wednesday here on Thursday with his elbow injury and Nick Easton, offensive lineman who was dealing with a concussion. He was limited on Wednesday, but downgraded to did not participate on Thursday, which does happen often when it comes to players uh, that are working their way through concussion protocol as Nick Easton is. Unfortunately, it just looks like he got back out on to practice on Wednesday and didn't necessarily hit the benchmarks that he needed to hit or didn't feel comfortable or still showed some concussion symptoms. So they ended up downgrading him to DNP on Thursday, which is okay. The Saints are doing fine along the offensive line, still having Will Clapp and of course, James Hurst at their disposal. The biggest name along the offensive line to continue to watch, however, is Teron Armstead. As I mentioned, he was uh, also limited on Thursday. So I think it seems likely that you'll see him in the game on Sunday, but can he stay in the game or do the Saints end up going the precautionary route and feel comfortable enough with James Hurst to let Teron Armstead get some rest here in this game? But of course, the Chicago Bears front defensive line and front seven 
are very, very talented, and I could see that potentially forcing the Saints' hand when it comes to Teron Armstead. Over on the Chicago Bears injury report, a very long injury report still. Ted Ginn Jr. and Jimmy Graham, both former Saints, they did return to practice as full participants on Thursday. They did not practice on Wednesday for non-injury-related resting purposes. Rashad Coward practiced his second day in full despite a finger injury. We also saw Eddie Jackson remain limited. We saw Sherrick McManus remain limited. So those are two safeties for the Bears that have been limited two days in a row. Jason Spriggs, the left tackle, he ended up continuing to practice in full despite his back injury. But as it comes to the did not participate list, a pretty substantial list here for the Chicago Bears. Of course, Khalil Mack is going to headline this list with an ankle injury, did not participate in practice on Wednesday, also did not participate on Thursday. So he's somebody to keep an eye out on on Friday for his game designation. I imagine that you might see him back to limited on Friday and therefore questionable for the game in which you would probably see him play just understanding Khalil Mack's competitive edge. But even a, a hampered Khalil Mack going up against Ryan Ramchek is a win for the Saints. Cordero Patterson and Allen Robinson, both Bears wide receivers, did not participate both in Wednesday and Thursday's practice. Cordero Patterson's dealing with a quad injury while Allen Robinson is going through concussion protocol. Seeing him not participate in practice two days in a row is a little bit shaky when it comes to concussion protocols. Definitely something to keep an eye out on on Friday. And then Cody Whitehair, their center, also did not participate in practice with a calf injury. Lauren Cox on, from Locked on Bears told us in yesterday's crossover episode that he is not expected to start at this point and that they would then be starting the Bears, an undraft, former undrafted free agent in his place, which leaves an undrafted free agent and a former undrafted free agent starting on their offensive line up against a very talented Saints defensive line. So definitely a matchup to watch there. So we'll talk a little bit more in just a moment about how a potential return from Michael Thomas could factor into this Saints game on Monday. And of course, how important Marquez Callaway and Teron Armstead are to winning this game over on the offensive side. But first, we're going to start off with the Bears offense so that we could take a look at how it is that the Saints might actually be able to jumpstart their pass defense against this Bears team. And they just need to get two things right in order to do that. So we'll take a look at that here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked On Saints here with the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I think it's safe to say that this Saints season has been very different up to this point. And so you're looking to see if they're going to be able to continue to right the ship after three straight wins. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. I feel like at this time, I am busier than I have ever been. And while I am grateful for it, every now and then, it does put up that wall, whether it's about being motivated to work in general, being awake for family time as well, away from work. What might your wall be, regardless of what it is, whether it's physical or mental, break through it with Built Go every single day. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy isn't fake, it's lasting, and it's natural. They come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint, which y'all know is my favorite. It's a collagen protein as well as an energy gel combined, and that collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, 
Plus, it's easy on your stomach. And collagen also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So this stuff literally makes you look better while making you feel better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED to get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, Huda Nation, it is Locked on Saints every single Monday through Friday. Everything you need to cover and know and information, everything about your New Orleans Saints. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't caught another episode this week, we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, today's Friday up until that point. So go ahead and check out another episode from earlier on this week. We did our film breakdown, film watch Wednesday on Wednesday, and of course, our crossover Thursday on Thursday. So go and check those out to get you ready for this weekend. We still got a lot to go through on today's episode, so let's get into it. So I went ahead and I took a look at the Chicago Bears, and I took a look, or I took a look at the Chicago Bears' offense and their defense. We're going to start off with their offense here because I want to talk about how the Saints could rejuvenate their passing defense by getting two things right. Two things. That's all that they need to get right, and they're going to be our first two keys to victory. We're going to have three of them in today's episode, two here on the defensive side, and then one over on the offensive side for the Saints in the next segment. We'll recap all three, of course at the end of the episode, but just give you a heads up. So the first one for me is going to be playing coverage over the top. And what I mean by that is that instead of doing any type of trail technique to where corners are, are trying to play or defensive backs, let's say, are trying to play in between the receiver and the quarterback, instead trying to play above the receiver, that does a couple of different things. It keeps the plays in front of them. It eliminates the big play, helps to eliminate the big play because Chicago does try for the big play. They only have one 40-yard, 40-plus-yard play so far this season. They just got it on Monday against the Los Angeles Rams, but they want to, the Saints, don't want to be the ones that you know change the tide for the Chicago offense where all of a sudden they're hitting big plays. So if they play over the top, it helps to minimize that. Yes, it does put them in that position to where they are in that kind of bend-don't-break situation to where you know, these these passes are being caught ahead of them and they're making tackles and, and things like that. But as long as they make those tackles, then they're okay and they can get around and gather to the ball, which is something that they they still do pretty well. And then lastly, it also puts them in position to capitalize on miscues. When I watch this Bears team, particularly with Nick Foles, the route combinations that they use are really interesting because they want to be able to get the ball out quickly. So they have a couple of safety valves where they'll keep the tight end close to the line of scrimmage. They'll keep the running back running routes out of the backfield. But that ends up minimizing the amount of protection at the line of scrimmage. And it's interesting that they do that because they'll still drop Nick Foles back seven steps. They'll still put him in a seven-step drop. And then they'll still have these long developing route concepts further down the field, even though we know that Nick Foles is most comfortable when he can get the ball out within two and a half seconds. He's got about a 72% completion percentage when he throws the ball within two and a half seconds. It drops to 50% when he holds on to the ball longer than that. So that's another key that we'll get to in just a moment. But when it comes to the secondary being able to play over the top here, that's going to end up mitigating some of those concerns when it comes to these potential safeties, these safeties potentially biting down on some of these more shallow routes, like what we saw last week with the Mills concept that pulled Marcus Williams down and then allowed DJ Moore to just run clean past him. If they're playing coverage over the top and if they're playing sort of back a little bit, not necessarily back further, but if their focus is on being behind and between the receiver and the end zone as opposed to between the receiver and the quarterback, it puts them in position to keep their everything happening in front of them. Another reason why this is important is because it puts them in position to capitalize on miscues. We know that Nick Foles is not the most accurate quarterback in the world when it comes to throwing downfield. In fact, 
throwing more than 10 yards down the field. He's already thrown six interceptions so far this season, trying to get the ball further than 10 yards down the field. Most of them, he's thrown four interceptions over to the right side of the offense altogether, which is where Janoris Jenkins is going to be. Shout out to Deuce Windham for that observation. So Janoris Jenkins could have a pretty big game here or be a pretty big, let's just say, factor in this game, either because he's going to be able to be in position to break up passes, better yet, be in position to intercept passes, and maybe finally start to drive some of those turnovers that the Saints defense just hasn't been able to create so far this year, or at least it puts him in position to deter Nick Foles from throwing his way because Jack Rabbit's going to capitalize on any of those those misconceptions. I talked to a good friend of mine, Larry Dreyer, over at the uh, Bears Underground podcast, and one of the things he talked about was a quote-unquote improvement from Mitch Trubisky to Nick Foles is that Mitch Trubisky would overthrow receivers by 10, 15 yards. Nick Foles will overthrow receivers by 7 to 10 yards. So he's getting a little bit closer to actually hitting his targets downfield. But this is another reason why playing off of the receivers actually makes a lot of sense in this situation and against this in in this game because against this quarterback you're going to want to be able to capitalize on those overthrows or those underthrows i took a look at all of the interceptions that nick Foles has thrown so far this season and the majority of them come on passes that are out of position things that are outside the frame of the body they're too far to the left too far to the right on crossing routes they're too far downfield on uh, routes down the field they're too short right And one of the things that always drives any Saints fan or any NFL fan nuts is that when a cornerback is playing trail technique and they're playing underneath the receiver, a ball gets overthrown. The receiver tries to come back to that ball. And then all of a sudden you get a pass interference flag. You can help to avoid some situations like that if you're playing over. And so that's another thing to keep an eye out on and another way to sort of capitalize on those mistakes and those miscues by playing back a little bit off of those receivers. The other thing is that these receivers don't create a ton of separation. Really, the only one that creates separation is Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver, the rookie out of Tulane. He creates about three yards of separation for reference. That's the same, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, that's the same as what Emmanuel Sanders creates. Everybody outside of him is around you know, 2.5 for uh, Anthony Miller, 2.2 for Allen Robinson, who we're not even sure is going to be able to play this week. So the reason why I bring that up is because Nick Foles can compound that issue by throwing into tight windows, which he does 22.9% of the time, according to NFL Next Gen Stats aggressiveness rating. And this one was brought to my attention by Elias Williams. And that basically means that aggressiveness rating and him throwing into tight windows means that he tends to throw into windows where receivers only created one yard of separation. He, th- he does that at the second most, uh, second highest percentage across the NFL. He's the one that throws that ball the most. So the Saints have to be able to capitalize on those miscues. The next thing that's going to be a key, and this one's going to be pretty quick, but forcing Foles to jump off of his first read. The longer he throws the ball, the more that that completion percentage drops, the more that sack rate goes up, the more that interception rate goes up as well. So it creates time for the pass rush. It generates the mental pressure of a quarterback who knows that the clock is running. And it also maximizes his mistakes. When he has to read down his progressions, he tends to get to a point to where he's just going to throw it up and quote unquote, as Lauren Cox called it yesterday, give receivers a chance. You have to win those 50-50 balls for the Saints defense. You have to be able to win those. And that's where guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins, who are very physical, need to be able to play up to their standard, which we've seen Janoris Jenkins do. Marshawn Lattimore so far, a lack of that so far this season, but this is an opportunity for him to turn it around. You got to be able to win those. Tight windows, lack of separation by the Chicago receivers, bad decisions by Nick Foles. Those should equal takeaways for the Saints defense. When it comes to the run game, just keep doing what you're doing. This is a team in David Montgomery and the running backs over there. Tariq Cohen, of course, is injured. 
that hasn't had a 100-yard rusher so far this season. Just keep doing what you're doing when it comes to the run defense. But if you can get those two things right, if you can force Nick Foles off of his first read, and if the secondary can play over the top, then you end up being able to uh, really rejuvenate the Saints passing defense just in time as well as they continue their push through the rest of the regular season. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Chicago defense. There's one specifically weak area where the Saints need to be able to attack along with, of course, establishing the run game. We'll get to that and talk about how the Saints offense can continue to put up points against a very good passing defense. we got that coming for you next year on Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, family, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We took a look at the Chicago offense to sort of give us an idea of how the Saints can increase their passing defense. So far, uh, they've not performed very well in that element this season, but maybe there's an opportunity for them to sort of get good uh, here against Chicago. And you want to see the Saints continue to be good when it comes to their passing game, and really just their offense as a whole. This is a team that's averaging 30 points per game flat. While offense is up across the NFL, there is still uh, some concern just in terms of you want to maintain that, right? And maybe it's not concern, but obviously you want to see that maintained. And so you have to continue to work on it despite the fact that it's just generally up across the NFL regardless. So here's a way that the Saints can continue to do that against the Chicago Bears. The Bears have a really, really good back-end defense. They've, they're have they essentially the opposite of the Saints in a way. You look at the Saints who struggle in pass coverage but are great against the run. You look at the Bears, they're subpar. They're, they're pretty much like middle of the road against the runner, if we're being honest. They're 16th in the NFL, which is literally right in the middle, 16th and 17th. And then they're in the top 10 when it comes to passing defense. So it's the passing defense for Chicago that has been the uh, sort of carried this defense so far. But there's a couple of things to keep in mind when it comes to the Chicago Bears defense. And one of the ways that the Saints are going to be able to take advantage of it is going to be attacking these two concepts. The Bears, 23% of the time, 106 snaps so far this season have gone out there and played cover one, which is a man coverage technique with a single high safety. Everyone's familiar with that. 18% of the times on 83 snaps, they play cover three. So with that, there's three deep defenders that close off the middle of the field, and then two linebackers are effectively guarding just outside the hash marks, leaving the middle of the field open in the intermediate area of the field. And guess where the Saints love to attack, just like every other team in the NFL, they love to attack, of course, the middle of the field. And that is going to be a big key in this game. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, that's probably my third key. And in fact, it is my third key is to attack the middle of the field, but it doesn't come down to just the passing game. Drew Brees, though, just to take a look at it, uh, 61 of 76, 486 yards, three touchdowns, a 101.0 NFL passer rating, one interception over the middle of the field. But within 10 yards in the middle of the field, those are his stats. He has been astronomical, uh, astronomically good. Uh, as always, when it comes to being and attacking the middle of the field. that There's nothing new there. That's an 80.3% completion percentage for the guy within 10 yards middle of the field. That's the spot that's going to be open and vacated for the Saints. And that's where they're going to want to, that's where they're going to want to to attack. That's a spot that they're going to be able to take advantage of, especially in those man defenses, because you're going to run a lot of crossing routes. We know the Saints love their crosses over the middle of the field. 
That's going to create separation naturally with the man coverage defenders. But also when they play cover three, that opens up the middle of the field. They also play quite a bit of cover six, which is just an adjusted cover four. I mean, an adjusted cover three, essentially, to where you're playing uh, one half of the field's playing cover two, the other half of the field's playing cover three. You're still pretty much leaving the middle of the field open in in those types of uh, in those types of coverages. So for the Saints and for Drew Brees, when you look at him going up against cover three so far this season, 47 of 64, 581 yards, a touchdown and interception. Two big time throws, two turnover worthy plays, and he's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt. And his adjusted completion percentage is 82.3%. That doesn't factor in drops, things like that. So that's a huge benefit for the Saints that the that where Drew Brees really has been successful, which is against cover three, that's where the Bears play 18% of their offense. Nearly, if you also consider cover six a form of that, they're playing another 17.8% there. So you look at that versus his, uh, you also look at Drew Brees' stats against man coverage, 33 of 46, 376 yards, five touchdowns and an interception. He's been outstanding there and his adjusted completion percentage, 77.3%. So what it is that the Bears like to do and how they usually win against offenses is being physical and in playing zone coverage soundly, it doesn't matter. Drew Brees is very good against both of those elements of the game. So definitely something to keep an eye out on there and something that's really easy to observe when you watch the film on Chicago, that that's where they're most comfortable and that's what they want to be able to do. That's the way that they want to be able to defend. Now, I mentioned that attacking the middle of the field, uh, in the middle of the field on offense is a key for the Saints, but not just in the passing game, but also in the run game. There's a specific reason for that as well. You look at these linebackers for Chicago and they're not big guys. Some of the off ball linebackers, of course, Khalil Max 252, and he's, you know, he's an absolute just phenom altogether. But you look at these other guys like Roquan Smith, for instance, these are guys that are built to play the modern day defense, play against modern day offenses, right? If the Saints come in with a run heavy approach, just like they did last year, they should be able to take advantage of the size advantage that they have, particularly over the players in the second level. Remember, no Eddie Goldman. They do have Akeem Hicks this time. So that is something to keep in mind. But Akeem Hicks, a bit more of a penetrating pass rusher than he is a run defender at this point in his career. So for the Saints, when you look at the attack in the middle of the field, you have to do it in both the run and the pass game. A lot of cover one, a lot of cover three. So the middle of the field is weak. But also the Bears have linebackers that are super athletic and they're athletic enough to win around the edge, right? They could beat you to the edge of the offense. However, they're not big enough to take on the offensive lineman that can climb and get to the second level like Eric McCoy. And what Eric McCoy has done so far this season, he has feasted off of linebackers and defensive backs. Literally any chance the guy gets, he's trying to get to the next level to lay somebody down. And that's exactly what you're going to see the Saints do. I think you might see a little bit more of that power run game from the Saints here, even though they have the athleticism to play zone, which still allows them to climb to the next level because they're guarding gaps as opposed to specific players. But you might see a little blend of both here when it comes to Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. I think Alvin Kamara has a huge day. I think Latavius Murray has a big day as well in relative, you know, in, in relation to that. But I do think that the Saints offense still has the ability to pass. And a big part of that is going to be the passing game to Alvin Kamara over the middle of the field, getting lined up with these linebackers that he's going to be able to take advantage of. So keep in mind all of this, because the more that the Saints run, the more that they're going to pack the box. The more that they stack the box, the more that Drew Brees is going to throw. Once he starts throwing, they'll end up vacating the box, and then they just go right back to running again. You saw them do this exact same thing against Carolina last week, who also has undersized linebackers at their second level. Sorry, I almost said wide receivers. And so this is another big piece for this Saints offense. They should be able to continue to 
command and, and continue to move the ball over on the offensive side. Real quick, I want to shout out Hidden Yardage and the punt game as well for the Saints. We saw what happened to Chicago last week. They're not doing a lot of returns these days, particularly with Ted Ginn Jr. back there returning. So they're letting the ball bounce. They're calling fair catch. Take advantage of that. Pin these guys back every chance that you get if Thomas Morstead even gets out there to punt. Remember, he didn't even punt last week. But take advantage of the lack of special teams ability, especially if Cordero Patterson isn't able to go. Remember, he hasn't practiced two days in a row now, Wednesday and Thursday. So keep an eye out on that. So just to review, our three keys to victory for this team, two on the defensive side, one on the offense, the secondary players playing over the top and making sure that they're eliminating the big plays, that they keep the big plays or keep any plays, for that matter, ahead of them and get in position to capitalize on miscues. Force Foles to move off of his first read. That's going to allow you to create time for the pass rush. You're going to generate the interior, the mental pressure for the quarterback, and it allows you to maximize the number of mistakes that the quarterback makes. And then the last one, attack the middle of the field on offense, do it in both the pass and the run game. Take advantage of the the scheme that Chicago runs, which Drew Brees fares very well against, and take advantage of the fact that these linebackers may be athletic enough to beat you around the edge, but they're not big enough to take on the offensive lineman in the middle of the field. Take advantage of that in the run game. So, hey, enjoy this game 325 Central Time on Sunday. It's going to be in the late afternoon slot. I think the Saints can really get away with a win here. They're favored in this matchup. I know that they're on the road, but remember, the Saints have been very good on the road. They've been better on the road record-wise than they have been at home over the last three years. So do keep that in mind. Don't be too worried about that. And don't be too worried about the weather because this should be a team that is ready to run the ball. So we'll see how this all plays out. If the Saints lose this game, it's because they lost this game. This is a game that they should win. We know that doesn't always bode well for New Orleans, but we'll see if they're able to uh, get to a point now where they can continue beating teams that they're supposed to beat because they should be able to take advantage of these matchups that we talked about on today's episode without um, all of a sudden giving Chicago an offense. That's going to be a big key for this one. Don't give Chicago an offense and you can win. All right, y'all, that is going to do it. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Y'all have a safe weekend. Those of you that are recovering from Hurricane Zeta, we love you. Uh, please, as always, reach out at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how I can help. And as always, let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. It's been Locked on Saints and Trust to That Nation. I'll holla at you.